everyone, I'm Christine Bentley here with Kate Wheeler, and you are listening to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more for your money? That's wealth esteem. We hope you're having a great weekend so far, and thank you for tuning in. So this is a very uh, on-point topic. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been prescribed opioids? Now, I have, mm-hmm. when I broke my shoulder... But thankfully, I had a very strict doctor who made me accountable for every single pill. How did he do that? Well, he figured out how many I needed. Then when I asked for more, he said, no, you can just do double strength or triple strength, Tylenol or whatever. I said, no, I'm going to kill myself. He said, I'm going to prescribe them. But when you come back, you bring that bottle because I'm going to count them. And did he? And he did. And I said, I'm now on Tylenol because I was feeling woozy. You just gradually, you know, and he said, I'll take them. Mm-hmm. I said, I paid for them. And he said, you're not going to need them again. I'm taking them. That is strict. And that, that that's good. And, and it was very good. I was highly impressed. That's from Mount Sinai. Anyway, um, despite better options, more than 5 million Canadians are turning to opioids and painkillers as a first step to managing their frustrating daily muscle and joint pain. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to discuss Canada's opioid crisis with chiropractic physician, Dr. Sapna Shiram, and find out effective ways we can manage pain before turning to that kind of medication. Okay, and we'll also have a chat with internationally renowned chef Suster Lee and vitreoretinal surgeon Dr. Nitan Chowdhury, who have joined forces to raise awareness about the importance of a good diet in maintaining healthy vision among the 3.4 million Canadians living with diabetes. They have some interesting facts to tell us, plus Chef Lee is going to tell us about some quick and easy recipe ideas that keep diabetes and eye health in mind. Well, you know, it's interesting, Kate, because when we were kids, our, our mothers probably talked about carrots being good for night vision, and nobody ever talks about food for eye health anymore. No, that's true. You're you right. Know? Film critic Ann Brody will be here with the latest movie and TV reviews. Plus, she's got an interview with Brian Henson. <laughs> he is the director of The Happy Time Murders, which brings humans and puppets together in one very... R-rated movie. This I can't wait to hear about. Absolutely. Now, lifestyle expert Lena Almeida always tells us what she's loving. This week, it's Maple Leaf Foods rebrand to real and natural food. She'll be sharing back-to-school lunch tip and recipes, and we'll have a contest to tell you about where you can win $100 in Maple Leaf Food coupons. And closing out the show in our live studio sessions today, we have three-time Juno Award nominee and singer-songwriter Donna Merrow, who just released his sixth album called Evolution. And don't forget, please, to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk and download our free podcast. It's on Apple. Just search What She Said in Podcast and you'll find us. Thanks again for tuning in. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. 
Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, despite better options, more than 5 million Canadians are turning to opioids and painkillers as a first step to managing their frustrating daily muscle and joint pain. Joining us now to discuss Canada's opioid crisis is chiropractic physician Dr. Sapner Shuram. Dr. Sapner, welcome back to What She Said. Thank you for having me again, guys. And congratulations on the new baby. Thank it's not you. so new anymore. He's not so new. He's not so new. Yeah. But it's, since the last time we saw yes, you. Yes, I was quite big. <laughs> so let's talk about this because I, I was unaware that Canada is actually the second highest consumer of prescription opioids in the world. More than 2,800 opioid-related deaths reported nationwide last year. Yeah. Um, so what are the most common types of pain plaguing Canadians? So, you know, what's what's so astonishing and people don't realize this, even when I read it, like I know how significant it is, but even when you read the statistics, you're just yeah. like, wow, that's crazy. Um, 90% of individuals in Canada last year alone complained of some sort of injury or pain. And that most of the common ones were back pain, neck pain, headaches, knee pain, and shoulder pain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are common musculoskeletal injuries and they comprise almost one in three visits that people will seek to their doctor's office or walk-in clinic. So what would be the more effective ways to manage that pain before turning to that level of medication? So, you know, it's interesting to me because a lot of the times with these individuals that are experiencing pain, about 80% of those individuals will turn to pain relieving medication as their first line of defense, be it an over the counter or a prescription opioid um, medication. And I think a lot of it is that People, people just assume I'm in pain, I should take medication. A lot of the times they don't even see their doctor. And then at times once they see their doctor, they're being prescribed because the pain is so intense. And I think, you know, there's a huge misconception about what other first steps could be. And a lot of the times, even just seeing, you know, a, a physical therapist, a chiropractor to actually be assessed and diagnosed and treated can reduce that uh, requirement of pain medication. Has it changed from regular, from you know, medical doctors mm -hmm. used to not suggest you going to a chiro chiropractor. Yep. My, mine does, mine yep. did, and recommended a, a chiropractor to help with my migraine pain, sure. which was a neck adjustment. Right. So great, but but a lot of doctors won't recommend chiropractors. Is that changing? I think, I mean, you know, I've worked for 10 years in the field and I've only exclusively worked with family doctors who I have a great relationship with. And I think like anything else, it's about education. It's about evidence. And, you know, the evidence is there that supports that chiropractic, um, you know, interventions can reduce the the cause, the injuries and the effects of the pain that it, it, it plays on a patient. And, you know, by reducing the incidence of pain medication, I think everyone can get on board with that. And I think that, you know, when that education is becoming more at the forefront and doctors right now are feeling complete pressure and stress with patients coming in being in pain and they need alternative solutions as well. And I think what's really changing right now is, you know, the fact that physicians also realize that medication, it's a Band-Aid effect. And we can mm -hmm. look at other options that are more conservative and that are alternative to help these patients with managing their acute and chronic pain. Since we've heard all these stats about these opioid-related deaths, and there's mm -hmm. a huge conversation going on about why are we prescribing this uh, <sighs> 
Have you noticed a change in more people being referred to you uh, and more doctors having a conversation about that, that they really don't want to prescribe this unless absolutely necessary? Well, I see all mixes of patients. You know what? I see a lot of the patients that have ignored their symptoms or just, you know, use pain medication as a Band-Aid and then, you know, boom, they're in chronic states. And at this point, they're fed up and their doctors want them off pain medications. I've also seen, you know, patients that have the education and are told by a doctor before I do anything, go see a chiropractor or physiotherapist and get treated first. And then let's reassess in a week or two and see what our options are. And I've had the patients that actually do both simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Is there a cost uh, involved that is the barrier to them, to to, to people going and seeking other treatments? Absolutely. I think cost is always going to be a barrier. You know, we are one of the, you know, leading countries with the best healthcare system, but, you know, unfortunately things like physiotherapy, massage, chiropractic, it's not traditionally covered by OHIP anymore. Um, But that being said, a lot of private insurances do have some sort of coverage available to you. And more importantly, too, I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, when you look at the cost of paying for prescription medication, that's a cost as well. And if you don't have insurance to cover that, then you don't have insurance to cover your treatments either. So when people really look at it, if you're paying, if you're getting your drugs covered, you more than likely have some sort of coverage for your physical therapy as well. Mm -hmm. Um, What that cap is, you know, I don't know. But what's great is that most physical therapists, chiropractors, massage therapists, they'll work within your budget. They'll give you a lot of home care. They'll give you access to free resources online so that you can do rehab and treatment or exercises at home. And I think that's what's really important. And so when someone comes to me having a a barrier such as cost, I always try to help them to the best of my ability so that they can get themselves out of pain or manage their pain better without having to constantly just rely on pain meds. Now, a report by the Canadian Chiropractic Association for World Spine Day also, as well as finding that women are more likely than men to suffer from and get help with all the things you said, headaches, neck, upper Mm -hmm. back and hip pain. They also um, uncovered regional trends. So Albertans rank the highest for opioid use and suffer the most from headaches, while British Columbians are least likely to use opioids and rank highest for sitting longer than 12 hours Per day, which like, is really interesting because yeah. I would think Toronto, like Torontonians, would sit the longest, given you know that we have the crazy you know financial district and everyone that has these crazy sitting jobs. So I find that interesting because yeah. most, most people in Vancouver are active, right? They've got the great weather, they're out more, they're a lot more active well, in general. Yeah, I mean it's sort of the story, you know. Right? Uh, British Columbians are out hiking and yes. surfing, and so doing I did all actually find things. that statistic mm-hmm. quite yeah. interesting, and I was like, hmm. I What's with they... the headaches in Alberta? Is that uh, is that <laughs> is that barometric pressure? Maybe I wonder. You know what? I'm not too sure. But, you know, when you hear these statistics, like I'm so sheltered, I treat people here in, you know, Toronto. And so I'm, I'm so astute to what's going on in my region. But when I see these statistics, I always wonder that, you know, maybe it's part of their job. Maybe it's part of, you know, the environment, the climate. Who knows? But it's always very interesting. Um, or maybe it's the types of individuals that seek care. Or maybe Why do you, you think know? women are more likely to? than men to suffer from these pains? Well, you know, I think women are more likely to do something about their pain. They're more likely to report it. They're more likely to see their doctor about it. And so when you look at the actual, you know, and and women, a lot of the times, they're they're the decision maker in the family. How often do you hear about a guy that comes in being like, I am only here to see you because my wife told me that mm-hmm. I need to see you. So, you know, a lot of the times I think that there's a huge, you know, implication where you're thinking maybe it's just the men not reporting it. Maybe it's the men not actually, you know, mm-hmm. um, saying that they have issues or, or any injuries. When in reality, once you start treating them and you see these patients come in, they're no different. You, you see men and women equally with the same types of injuries. There's a sign at my chiropractor's office that, <laughs> that says, you know, I thought it would go away. Right. I thought it would get better. Right. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. And one of 
of the biggest things I always educate everybody on my entire, you know, my entire mindset is so integrative and it's all about, you know, being aware. And I think one of the biggest things that people don't realize is that pain is a signal. It's there to tell you something's wrong. When the signal goes away, one of the biggest things that people think is that, well, my pain went away, so I'm all better. A lot of the times these injuries, most injuries, 99% of the time will return if you didn't actually mm-hmm. rehabilitate it and treat it appropriately the first time. So even though the pain is gone, doesn't necessarily mean the injury is gone. And I think that's one of the biggest things that really ends up you know, creating this cyclical pattern where patients will be like, I threw my back out again. I threw my back out again, or my shoulder's still bothering me, or I have another headache. And I think, again, it's always that it always comes back to people just think that pain equals Injury, no pain equals recovery. And that is the biggest misconception that we see every single day with every patient population, including athletes. So what is the answer? Is, I mean, do we need a more integrated yes. approach to yes. manage pain? Absolutely. I think a team-based approach is what's going to be the most financially, you know, cost-saving for any patient with or without insurance. I think it's going to, you know, increase patient outcomes because of at this point, when you have a team, you have solutions. You have not one person managing your symptoms, but you have a team of people. And that team can talk to each other, can communicate, and you can actually you know, come up with solutions that are more individualistic. Because a lot of the times, what's going to work for you is not going to work for somebody else, even if your injuries are the same. But there, there must be people who need opioids. Of course. And I don't think the I don't think the solution here is to say, how do we eradicate the use of opioids? But I think what's what we're trying to do is say, how many of these people actually validly need opioids as their for first how long? line of defense? Exactly. And for how long? Because the reality is, is that the majority of those that take opioids will become dependent mm-hmm. and will assume that that's what they need to get better. When in reality, we know it's a Band-Aid. A daughter's uh, one of my daughter's boyfriends um, hurt his hand, broke his mm-hmm. hand. Um, and left the hospital with a prescription for 24 Oxycontin. Wow. I'm like, wow, throw them away. Wow. And we'll just try some Tylenol 3 for a couple of days, which is what he took, and then everything was fine. Right. And, you know, and then you throw in when you have better, you know, ability to cope with the pain, you throw in some physical therapy, some chiropractic care, whatever it is that you need at that time. And, you know, a lot of patients see a faster recovery. They see less reliance on medication. Mm -hmm. And in general, you don't have to worry with the side effects of what comes with those meds because it's not really treating the injury. And we know that. Now, people can learn more by visiting chiropractic.ca. Yes. And where can they find you? And they can find me by visiting drsapna.com. Ah. <laughs> think about that for a second. <laughs> drsapna.com. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for evening. having me, ladies. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, 
Expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is internationally renowned chef, Susur Lee, and vitreo retinal surgeon, Dr. Nitan Chowdhury from Vitreous Retina Macular Specialists of Toronto, who have joined forces to raise awareness about the importance of a good diet to maintain healthy vision among the 3.4 million Canadians living with diabetes. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm so glad being here. Now, Diabetes can cause damage to blood vessels, including those in the eye, and something which I didn't know. And all people with diabetes are at risk for vision loss, also known as diabetic retinopathy. Dr. Chowdhury, tell us how the retina is impacted in those with diabetes. So the the retina really is an extension of our brain, and much like our brain and other organs in our body has many vessels in it, blood vessels. And the smallest blood vessels in the body are actually in the eye and specifically in the retina. So people with diabetes have elevated blood sugar Mm -hmm. and elevated blood sugar damages blood vessels. And when these blood vessels become damaged, they begin to leak what's inside them. And ultimately what's inside blood vessels is blood, fluid and cholesterol. So over time, this blood sugar, which damages blood vessels, ends up damaging the retina by causing leakage of blood and fluid and cholesterol ultimately causing vision loss and vision da- damaged vision. And if this is not treated, it can cause irreversible vision loss. So is it true that with diabetes, you can get cataracts at a younger age, which I guess would then increase your chances of glaucoma? So glaucoma and cataracts are two different conditions. And yes, they are impacted by diabetes. Uh, it is known that cataracts can occur earlier in patients with uh, diabetes. Mm -hmm. As well, glaucoma also is an increased risk when patients have diabetes. So multiple ocular conditions are impacted by and see more commonly in people that have diabetes. So Chef Susur, why did you jump on board and want to help raise awareness about eye health? Well, you know, when when I first uh, met uh, Dr. Chowdhury, uh, you know, he's a frequent, uh, you know, uh, visiting to my restaurant. He gave a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, talks and seminar in, in, in my private room. So, you know, I, I got to know him and, and we talk about food. He's also love, love cooking. Earlier, we just talked about, you know, like sous vide and all that. So I find that really, you know, he has a connection with food. So, you know, when, when he invited me uh, to uh, talk about diabetes and talk about food, and I, I jump on this because I really believe, you know, diet is, is the source of any kind of diseases. You know, sometimes uh, we think about our body is made out of nutrients. We have to put a proper nutrients into our body. So, um, you know, diabetes, you know, um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, eating is one of the most important, you know, having, uh, you know, high fiber, 
uh, you know, a low-fat diet, and and also you know a lot of uh, vegetable uh, eating eating properly. And so I think uh, you know, for example, you know, carrots, carotene is good for eyesight. You know, you also you know there are a lot of uh, you know also a lot of uh, tradition. You know, the Chinese belief in certain kind of vegetable and certain kind of medicine actually is good for your eyesight. And uh, you know when when uh, you talk about diabetes, I, I find that you know there's a connection with science and connecting uh, with food, and so I, I said uh, you know I, I want to learn more about it, and mm-hmm. so he you know uh, we got together we talked about it I learned so much about it, and so I designed it, this uh, salad is actually you know in my restaurant for this challenge for diabetes. The the salad the kale and roasted pear salad. Um, which sounds lovely. It's sugar-free, low sodium, and you can add chicken, which we right. see a lot in restaurants, a chicken on top of the salad. Or even fish. Or even know. fish. Yes. So it is, um, it, it's roasted squash, ricotta, spice seeds, pomegranate, <clears throat> wild blueberry vinaig- vinaigrette. Are all those, everything that's in the, in the dressing, also aimed at... Yeah, completely. The there is health? no sugar. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wild blueberries have very low sugar content, and same mm-hmm. as pear. Uh, and also, um, you know, in terms of uh, you know the cheese part, we we have to have a portion size of a cheese. You cannot overusing so much because of the cholesterol mm-hmm. uh, part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything is really uh, you know down to uh, the science of you know measure everything properly, so people can actually enjoy, you know, coming to a restaurant and say, you know what, instead of I'm, I'm on diet, what do you have in there? I cannot eat this, I cannot eat that. And, and so we, we present this menu and, and it has been very welcoming. And, you know, I'm just sharing my experience uh, as a chef, you know, to, you know, to help the society, you know, uh, with health. And I think, uh, you know, I think it's very important. So how is diabetic retinopathy? Retinopathy, ret- retinopathy, retinopathy diagnosed and treated. So the way retinopathy is diagnosed is really through a dilated eye exam. So patients that have diabetes are encouraged to have a dilated eye exam with their eye care provider, either ophthalmologist or optometrist or retina specialist once a year. And then we use our in-office tools, whether it's diagnostic imaging or lenses in the office. Many of you have probably had a eye exam. Mm-hmm. And we look at the retina directly using these lenses in order to look for those signs, which are changes in the blood vessels, swelling in the retina, bleeding, fluid, leakage of, of, of from the vessels. And this is done on an annual basis. And nowadays, we also use uh, non-interventional testing using light in order to evaluate the anatomy of the retina and looking for the subtlest changes early on to detect this problem. And, you know, just to touch upon what Susa was saying with diet – the reality is this condition is expanding within Canada. It's oh, expected, I know. It's expected to double by 2025. And one of the other reasons that we came together on this is because there is a in- increased predilection within the Asian community and the South Asian community. It happens to be that Indians and Asians tend to have smaller blood vessels. And as I mentioned earlier, it's blood vessels that are affected by the blood sugar. And so as a result, our cohort is preferentially affected by this condition. All the more reason to sort of get the word out there about diet, exercise, healthy living, and how, uh, how, about how streaming obesity can make a big difference ultimately in the, in the long-term projection of your eyes and all your overall health. Well, in fact, uh, I, we were talking this morning about a study that came out about cancer saying that almost half the cases are not genetically um, predisposed at all. It's uh, diet 
and smoking. So that, that 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 says everything. And diabetes is mostly lifestyle. It's very much it's lifestyle. It's not so much genetic, but it's 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 lifestyle. We have so much sugar. So how do you treat it? Once somebody comes in and you find out that they have this, sure. what do you do? So diabetes comes in different stages like anything, like can- yeah. cancer, as you just yeah. pointed out. And when diabetes comes in in a uh, mild, moderate stage, it can be observed and be reversed by diet, exercise, and medication. When it is at the treatment point is when there's fluid accumulating in the retina, in the macula specifically, Mm -hmm. and impairing vision. Nowadays, we have new medicines, which we can actually administer to the eye directly in the office. Oh. And these medicines help to dry the fluid and improve the vision. Chef Lee, um, we can go to Lee and have your wonderful um, meals, but but can you give us some some easy recipe ideas that people can cook at home Mm -hmm. to keep diabetes and eye health in mind? Well, you know, fish is very good. Okay. Uh, uh, it, it's simple. You know, sometimes uh, when you think about, uh, you know, uh, cooking fish, you know, we live in a city and it's sometimes people are so busy, you know, working and, and it's hard to switch your brain to go on a diet in a mm. way. So, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, highly recommend, you know, go online, check it out. You know, what it should be eaten for diabetes. I think, uh, you know, you know, like high fiber is very good. For example, you have a piece of fish. Just a lot of vegetables, simple. It's just like good olive oil, salt, and it could be lemon, and, and sometimes use a little bit of, uh, you know, organic soy sauce. Keep it very simple. And, you know, n- next time when you decided to not eat fish, maybe you want to use a chicken breast without skin on. So mm. those are things you just change it up a little bit. But uh, I really highly recommend, uh, you know, look at fruit, you know, certain kind of fruit you should be eating. You know, like pears, like wild blueberries. Uh, those are really great uh, for the diet. Um, and, and also, you know, uh, also uh, fatty fish like trout, for example, uh, okay. they're also very good. So people can go to diabetescanada.ca to find out uh, more and to learn, to learn more about this. And, of course, they can taste the fabulous food at Lee. I think I'm going to be just be looking at the beautiful kale and roasted pear salad that you've given us a picture of. Just looking right at it makes me, <laughs> makes me, you know. The other thing I want to mention, too, is we've been told that how you eat, how often you eat, like I used to eat late at night and then snack all night, and I had a really and high... eat nothing all day. Eat nothing all day, had a yeah. really high blood sugar level. So, again, space out your meals and don't snack in between. Eat healthy, but also yeah, the spacing ha- can help. Having regular small meals throughout the day is really what even most healthcare providers would recommend. Exactly. And it's funny that, that Susser just mentioned these particular elements of berries and salmon yeah. and fish. And implicit to what he's saying is antioxidant-rich food, omega-3-rich food. These are all foods that are good for the eye. They're good for the brain. They're good for your skin. Yeah. They're good for your whole body. Yeah, and so stay away from processed. Stay away, stay, you know, antioxidant, okay. yes. fresh food. And prepare it quite simply but beautifully. Oh, boy. And I think it's also you, importantly, you know, uh, making time to eat and not work and eat at the same time. Right. You know, to focus what you're eating. I think it really changed the mind of digesting system, and also enjoyment. And, and uh, I think those are also the key. Just You can't just like, you know, next to a computer eat and, and, and just, you know, putting food in your mouth. No, the, and meal, I think should, the meal should be It's a be wholesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So that also highly recommend. It's a mental state. Well, Chef Susser Lee and Dr. Nitin Chowdhury, thank you both for joining us and uh, informing us. This is great. Thank you for having us.
What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Saturday night at 8 o'clock I know where I'm gonna go I'm gonna pick my baby up And take her to the picture show Joining us now for Saturday Night at the Movies is our film critic Ann Brody and today we're starting out with The Happy Time Murders and I understand it's No Sesame All Street And it's, it's R It's the filthy side of the street Jim, Jim Henson, who created the Muppets, his son Brian, uh, created an imprint called Ha! Henson uh, Alternative Films. And it's just adult content. Just. And it has a precedent because Jim Henson used to do adult sort of trailers for leading up to The Tonight Show in the early 50s. So it's, uh, I mean, it's carrying on the family tradition. Certainly it was nothing like this when your characters, when you're, Puppet characters are prostitutes, addicts, <laughs> murderers, <laughs> porn makers. I mean, my goodness. What kind of a, what kind of a uh, draw do you think this will be for people who are, I think, who let their kids watch Sesame Street free hamburgers? Oh Can you imagine? Well, it's, it's restricted. Like well, a hard restricted. Yeah, I guess. Like just this side of X. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Melissa McCarthy is a detective, and she trades quips with these uh, oh, foul goodness. talkers like nobody's business. So they're, it's based on a show called The Happy Time. Uh, gang, which had had been a successful TV show, it ended. They all went south and <laughs> and became derelicts, and so one of their members was murdered. So Melissa's in to find out who did the job, and she's tripping around drug dens. You know what's hysterical to me? This this could be something you show your children. And say this is what happens if you don't listen to me. <laughs> Well, we're going to hear Anne's interview with the director, Brian Henson, in just a minute. Plus, a furry friend, a very goofy friend, stops by, too. Uh, So stay tuned for that. But next on your list is The Bookshop. Yes. At first glance, this is a sweet little film about a girl played by Emily Morton who opens a bookstore in a tiny village in England, Mm -hmm. shot in Ireland. Um, She's not getting a lot of love from the locals because the main aristocrat, played by Patricia Clarkson, who's an American actress, has decided she wants the beautiful historic home that the bookshop set up in for an art center. I mean, it's Lane laid. It's been (laughs) empty for decades. So she begins to feel a bit of a push from from the local aristocrats. They gang up on her. They plant spies in the middle. She carries on. She hires a little girl to help her in the uh, store. She sets the shop up. Um, 
And fortunately, she gets to know uh, a reclusive, um, agoraphobic aristocrat played by Bill Nighy, who comes to her rescue. Mm -hmm. So what happens ultimately is that this sweet little village is unveiled as a very dark place that has no use for single women business people. Support Mm. the girls. Mm. Support the girls is absolutely fantastic. It How sounds often kinda, do we hear her sounds, say that? Well, you know, it sounds crazy. It's she gets about, that look in her eyes, and I know. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, it's uh, about a Hooters-style restaurant um, under Regina Hall, who's the manager. And so she's trying to keep all these girls in, in line, and each has such a perfectly distinct personality. Her character goes through so much. She's like a mother figure to not just her girls, but people in the neighborhood. Um they have a bad boss, and, and, and things happen. But I've got to tell you, it was so moving. It was so beautifully done. It reminds me of the Florida Project. Mm. When you really care about these people, it's very intimate. And when, and the thing that struck me was when the girls have problems, you really feel pain. You really feel the hurt. Um, that's how brilliant this is. So it's not just about a Hooters-style restaurant, boobs, butts, and brews, which is what this is. It's a, it's a character study of these people working in this crazy environment. 1945. Oh, yes. Black and white, set in Hungary in a small village, when uh, two Orthodox Jews show up, uh, the town mysteriously goes into protectionism, actually, just like the bookshop. Um, And they wonder, what are these people doing there? Of course, they're worried about the communist Russians coming in to swallow up their village. But the Jews pose a bigger problem because when the Jews were taken away from that village, Mm -hmm. their goods were given to the villagers who vowed to store them for them. And of course, you have you have shots of the women gathering up the rugs and the artwork and the silver and hiding it under the hay so that the Jews don't see it. It's about cover-up and betrayal and legacy. Very, very good. Very disturbing. And we have a remake of Papillon. I didn't think they needed to do a re- remake, but if Charlie Hunan's in it, then it's oh, okay with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. It's not got high ratings, but I enjoyed it. I haven't seen the first one. It's about... Uh, 75% true story of Henry Charrier mm-hmm. and his he was arrested for murder and uh, something else in France in the in the 30s and he's sent off to this prison area in uh, French Guiana brutal conditions mm. brutal unspeakable and so he attempts many escapes um, it's really worth seeing and the the footage it was shot in Monrovia believe it or not it looks great and she's got a little something for Australians. Australians. Like Acorn. Yeah, Mystery Road. That's meant to be a great series, right? It is great. Judy okay. Davis is in it. Of course, mm, you excellent. know her. She's a legendary Australian act- actress. And it's uh, set out in the blistering heat of the desert when two boys disappear. So it's worth wow. seeing. Well, I need to see movies in between the series I'm watching. <laughs> I know. Killing Eve, Sharp Objects, you know. It's all good. It's all good. We have to leave it there, though, Anne. Thanks, as always. You can find more reviews up now on whatshesaidtalk.com. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at whatshesaidtalk.com. We are back with film critic Anne Brody, who got to sit down with the legendary Jim Henson's son, Brian Henson, who directs The Happy Time Murders that's in theaters now. Take a listen. 
Brian Ha Pictures is sort of a an underside development arm, I think, of uh, of the puppets. It's yeah. our other dark nature. Yes, Henson Alternative. That's what Ha stands for. Henson Alternative. Ha! Exclamation point. <laughs> and yeah, it is specifically are not appropriate for children's content. I've seen the trailer. <laughs> I mean, yes. I think we've said not not intended for, but we've gone further. It's not appropriate. We're but there is certainly a- this one. This one is as oh, yeah. hard R rating as we've ever put out. But there is a precedent because your father did what was it? Sam and Friends before the night the late night shows in the 50s? Yeah, but Sam and Friends that was in the 50s, so everything was extremely censored, but it was a, it was a late night show, so it was for adults, but it was it was quite benign. <laughs> I'd say the most um subversive my dad got was season 1 of Saturday Night Live, which he did. He put them up it's on Saturday Night Live, and Saturday Night Live was a controversial show at the time. Well, you'd it have was, to, you know. It, it was very, you know, very adult in nature. And my dad, um, he developed a group of characters for Saturday Night Live. That was probably the most adult in nature he got. What would he think of this? I don't know. I think he, I think he'd be <laughs> like, wow, really? Can you really get away with it? Can, and can you? you? And I don't, and I hope we can. I feel like I've sort of tested this a little bit because I have a show called Puppet Up Uncensored. Which is really what made me want to do this movie is right. it's a live show and it's mostly improvised and the audience makes suggestions as what should happen in the scene and the suggestions are so dirty and so adult and and the scenes become so funny because of it. And that's really what brought us to doing this. Now I was terrified when I brought Puppet Up Uncensored out on tour the first time because it had been in festivals and really well received, and I thought, well, festivals are festivals, we'll see. But everybody really, really received it very, very well, that show. And it's very R rated. And as long as it's clear so that children don't come, I think it's. I think it's fine, and it's kind of, it's delightfully fun for us to do and for the audience. So this is the first scripted piece that's in the vein of that tone of comedy. It's sensational. And I think the difference is between the P and the M. Puppets versus Muffets. Oh, and and also we call these puppets specifically the miscreants. We call these the Henson miscreants or the miscreant puppets. because and they're the ones that do the adult content material. You've got pornographers, prostitutes. Yes, <laughs> yes, we've got them all. You've got them all. You really got drug dealers. <laughs> you didn't let anything drug stand addicts. your way. <laughs> sugar uh, addicts, sugar addicts. We've got sugar addicts, but they're yeah. drug addicts in the yeah. puppet world. Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Oh my word. Um, and Melissa McCarthy, you know, God bless her. She's uh, she will go anywhere and make it. Deadpan and hilarious. Right. Well, she has this thing where she can make it very real. So she (laughs) enters a scene and she's very real. She's a very real presence. So you believe her. And you believe her so much that then she can say things that you're like, oh, my God, what did she just say? And it's hilariously funny. And And that was great to bring that into the center of the movie. Great. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you, too. Okay, that was great, Anne, but that's not all. You also got to chat with one of the stars of the movie, Goofer. Who the heck is he? Oh, my God. He's a shock and a half. He's a drug addict, a prostitute, a a puppet, and he's funny. All right, let's (laughs) listen. I can't believe I just said that. (laughs) 
I want to ask you, all those years ago, the Happy Land murders, what went wrong? Well, you know, I just sort of got tired of the spotlight and fame and adoration, and I was really looking for a career change. And that's when homeless sugar-addicted street prostitute really uh, <laughs> popped up and seemed exciting, so I thought, why not give it a try? So you call yourself a prostitute? Um, sometimes. I don't really know what that word means. I'm pretty sure it's actually a body part that gets bigger as you age, but whatever. <laughs> Other people call me it all the time. <laughs> well, I would really like to be a fly on the wall, may I say. I also heard that you were hooked on syrup. Uh, and I saw quite a bit of sugar and syrup in the other room out there. Well, that's just yeah. A oh, I shouldn't rumor. have said that. Do you? Oh, <clears throat> do you have? The, is there really sugar in the other room? Come on, do you? Can, can no. You, can you get that sugar for me? No. Do you have I syrup? won't enable you. Do you have syrup on you right now? Are you Canadian? I can't say. Yeah. You well, you, then you must have syrup. <laughs> oh. Oh, you're you're some guy. Thank um, you. What does a puppet do to get off of it? Um. Well, first thing, I don't have a problem. It's totally fine. I have it totally contr under control. Like, I mean, if you did have some on you, I could <clears throat> hold on to it for you just to show you that I don't need it because I don't need it. Seriously, don't, do you have any sugar on you? Need I'm not free to so, divulge that. I need it so bad. <laughs> You're so bad. <sighs> That's the real truth. Now, tell me about the movie because, mm -hmm. I mean, you're one of the stars, so I think a lot of people, Puritans, religious folk. No, 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 not, not Puritans, no. Puritans are flightless birds that should really be living in Antarctica <laughs> or a zoo, not going to see movies and cluttering up the theater with their bird stuff. <laughs> you know, I was told that you weren't super bright, but they were wrong. You're funny. Th thank you. You're very funny. You may be an addict, and I'm, I'm not aware of having interviewed addicts before, but oh. this is a first for me, so thank you. Oh, well, now you know how Dr. Drew feels. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, your film has inspired me. I'm going to get a cat and I'm going to call it Piddles. Oh. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, <clears throat> just asking, is, uh, is Piddles single? Oh, what do I care if Piddles is single? Let's the three of us hang out. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> I have to say it because my eyelids stopped working in the 80s. <laughs> From the maple syrup, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Oh, dear me. Mm. All right. I got to get out there and protect my sugar stash. I mean, because I have to move along. You have a stash? No. <sighs> Something about you, lady. I don't know if I trust your denial of having sugar. <laughs> What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. This is 1059 The Region. What she said. 
She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Lena Almeida is in studio with us now. And this is really interesting um, because Maple Leaf Foods has overhauled their entire product line. They're going real, real food. Real Maple Leaf. Okay. They've they've retooled, rejigged, overhauled the entire product line. So now they're only using ingredients you can find in your kitchen and only ingredients that your kids can pronounce. Well, that's the commercial that's running at the moment, right? It's super popular. Everyone's talking about it. But I mean, it's true. How many times do you read the ingredients on the package of foods and you're like, what? is this? They have no idea what that no. is. What does that do and what does it do to me? Well, they've gone back to basics. And so again, only the good ingredients that you can pronounce. So here's the scoop. Maple Leaf Foods now has no artificial preservatives, no artificial flavors, no artificial colors, artificial sweeteners, animal byproducts, and no preservatives. So I mean, as a parent, that means I can feel good about the foods that I'm serving my family. And I feel like parents, moms especially, tend to have that bit of guilt where we are serving foods for convenience. Mm. But at the same Long time... Long gone are the days when a PB&J, you could right. slap that in the lunchbox because of many reasons you can't. Exactly. But I mean, I'll admit it. My kids have hot dogs, mm-hmm. you know, fairly frequently because they're easy. We know the kids will eat them. But there's always been that little bit of guilt in the back of my head, back of my mind saying, you know, what's in the hot dog? What are the ingredients? And here's the thing. Maple Leaf Top Dogs, which are like their most popular hot dogs, they've been retooled as well. So when I say Maple Leaf Foods has rehauled their entire product line, I mean everything. So go in stores, look at the products, read the ingredients. They're right there on the front and you will see it's it's all real natural ingredients. And you can probably spell them all. You can spell them. I, my kids could spell them. <laughs> Okay, so back to school is right around the corner. It is. So this is good timing. Mm -hmm. So um, have you got any brilliant ideas for school lunches? Well, of course I do. And that's why I'm here. So the first is to think outside the sandwich. I know it's super easy. I do it myself, um, you know, to just put together the sandwich. But after a while and certainly month after month, they can start Mm. to get a bit mononymous. So one thing that I love to do is I actually do what I call sandwich skewers. You know how you can grab those wooden skewers in a bag at the grocery store? Mm-hmm. What I do is I actually cut up the sandwich bre- bread into quarters and then thread it on the skewer with cheese and maybe some baby spinach, um, baby tomatoes or cherry tomatoes, I should say. And then I'll use Maple Leaf Natural Selections oven roasted chicken, or I'll take the original natural smoked ham and cube it a little bit thicker. And the kids love them because they're finger foods. It is a sandwich, but it's presented in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the kids just have more fun, you know, picking one thing at a time, because I don't know about your kids when they were younger, but my kids are still in that zone where if things touch or flavors mix. Yes, I have one. where food cannot touch. (laughs) I think it still cannot touch on the plate. Amazing. Yeah. So that's one idea. I also do turkey roll-ups, which are super easy. Again, you can take cheese, a slice of cheese or um, baby spinach, pre-washed lettuce or another salad mix so it's Mm -hmm. not too damp. And then I will just simply roll up Maple Leaf Natural Selections oven roasted turkey breast. Super easy. I'll roll them really tight like like a cigar and really easy. Kids love it. And again, we're thinking outside the sandwich. Okay. What about, I? They, have they got um, 
like they've got other things that are shredded already, yes. cooked and shredded meats, like pulled pork oh, almost, it's right? It's so good. And that's and that's exactly how you can use shortcuts. So Maple Leaf Natural Selections makes delicious cooked shredded meats like slow-roasted pork, chicken, and turkey. So what I like to do is if I have the slow-roasted pork, just mix it with a bit of barbecue sauce, put it on a Kaiser roll, and you have the quickest pulled pork sandwich you can imagine. And it's so good. It's saving you time in the morning. You're popping it right out of the fridge and putting it right into the lunchbox. So I love that. I actually have to say, I take the um, shredded chicken, I mix it with a bit of barbecue sauce, and I put it in a separate container and I give it to my Mm eight-year-old with cheese and crackers. So what he'll do is he'll take, uh, you know, he'll take a cracker, a slice of cheese, and then spoon the barbecued chicken on top and he is living his best life <laughs> like he's there in the lunchroom and people must just be like his his fellow classmates are probably looking he doesn't care it's delicious and again we're getting away from the traditional lunch absolutely now um, for anybody that wants to try this yes uh, we have a contest up uh, thanks to you a hundred dollars in coupons from That's maple right. leaf foods yes. to try out the all naturals try out all of the products they're delicious you're going to love them if you need more inspiration maple mm-hmm. leaf foods has teamed up with Julie Miguel who is a contestant on MasterChef Canada and she's a culinary expert mm-hmm. and mom of two and she's been busy creating kid-friendly meals on the go and you can find all of her recipes at maple Belief.ca. And for school lunches, I actually love her make-ahead ham and veggie pancakes because, again, make them ahead, super portable, and I tried them out on my boys and they loved them. Awesome. So that's all on mapleleaf.ca. Yes. And to win the $100 in coupons for Maple Leaf Foods, if you go to whatshesaidtalk.com, you will see a post there with one of Lena's favorite recipes. Amazing. Good luck, everyone. Thanks, Lena. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com/tc or call 
416-340-7270. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. listening to is Live While I'm Alive by three-time Juno Award nominee and singer-songwriter Donna Mero, who joins us now in studio. Welcome to What She Said. Pleasure to be here. Thanks. That's the first song of your sixth album called Evolution that is out now. And you say this album was all about embracing change. So Tell us about that. What yeah. Do you mean? Well, I like I've been performing for the better part of ten years now, mm-hmm. full time as an artist, and I started off kind of in the folk and roots world. Like that's where I sort of lived for mm-hmm. a little while. All the while, my music sort of tiptoed the line of country music, and uh, <clears throat> on this journey, when Lori uh, came into my world and, and became my manager, we were discussing kind of what the future was going to be and where I wanted to go and and move in, and and I felt like because I've sort of had my foot in the door at country. It just felt like, why don't we just kind of walk fully into the room and explore? And and as a musician, it was sort of the natural evolution of me. And, it, and we we said that one day, and and as soon as I said that, it sort of became. We, we looked at each other, and said, "Evolution." That that's a great title for the album, and so it kind of stuck. And so really, it's just been a natural progression. Well, tell us a little bit about your life, because as I understand it, you grew up in Winnipeg's North End, yep. alongside poverty, gangs, drugs. Yeah. Country music isn't sort of something that usually uh, one sort of relates to that kind of environment. So how did it come about? Well, for me, it was uh, my dad was a bluegrass guitar player from Nova Scotia. So I have Acadian Mm -hmm. roots on my dad's side. My mom is Cree and Métis descent out of Manitoba. And uh, and so for my dad brought this East Coast kitchen party into Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to have a music career themselves. But because they had kids at such a young age, me and I got three brothers, um, obviously it became sort of the shift of their focus to you know full-time jobs and making mm-hmm. sure we had food in the fridge um, and uh, and so my parents sort of now have vicariously kind of lived through my music a little bit but but it started off with hearing them play country music so that was my first exposure to live music was country music in the kitchen and dad would play records of like Alabama and CCR and, and uh, you know Elton John Lionel Richie so I had this wide range of music and particularly country music was a big one being played in our house Garth Brooks my dad played everything Garth Brooks like, on, on his own guitar and so that was my first again exposure to country music and my love of music when I was you know in my teen years kind of went more into the R&B and soul kind of world I loved Boys to Men back in the day Mm-hmm. And and then it kind of shifted to I, I loved the boy bands like In Sync and Backstreet Boys and and then uh, uh, for me um, as I st- picked up a guitar and started playing what naturally came out of me was sort of like this country roots sort of sound and that's what led me led me here. So when did you actually start uh, reali- realizing that you had some talent yeah. and start <laughs> writing songs and, yeah, and so, how did you get them out there? So my my. Uh, First uh, um, connection to it was when I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I liked a girl in grade nine, and it's always, it's always a, girl. a girl. It's a country <laughs> song, <laughs> and uh, and I she was in the arts scene in, in school, and I was in the shops and sports guy. And and because I knew she was there, I thought if I audition for the school play, at least for 30 seconds, she'll know I exist. <laughs> and so I got up and I sang and and uh, auditioned for the the play. 
And when I was done, the teacher was crying and a few other students were crying. And I, I'm thinking, like, this was brutal. I made people cry. <laughs> and... <laughs> And and lo and behold, I got the lead role of the play. That I didn't get the girl. Oh, I, I got I the right one say. in the end. I got the right one eventually. Yeah. But um, she, uh, it started off kind of that way. And and uh, at the same season, I picked up my dad's old Gibson Hummingbird guitar and started playing and writing. I was never good enough to learn other people's songs, and so I just would go to my dad and say, "Can you show me a new chord?" And every week, I'd learn a new chord. And over the course of the next couple of years, and I started writing right away. And so that was at fifteen, and it was it wasn't until I was twenty seven years old when I finally jumped in full time. It took me, you know, 10, 12 mm. years to figure out I had something even mm-hmm. as an independent artist. So what's next? Well, so this album's coming out uh, right away. Uh, it's, it's out uh, almost pretty much now. This week is the big release. Um, and we got a, a bit of a Canadian tour happening with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year we've got a, a, a Christmas tour called A Merrow Little Christmas as well. That, a that this Merrow year is, Little yeah. Christmas. That's yeah. cute. <laughs> <laughs> so this year we're, we're touring it in the prairies. We, we actually want to see it as a national tour uh, one day. But for now, we're going to kind of keep it in the prairies. And um, yeah, and so it, with an album as well. So two albums in four months for me, which is kind of crazy. But uh, so that's all happening this year. So where can people find you online and grab a copy of Evolution? Yeah, so uh, right now now donamero.ca is the easiest place to find everything and but other than that i'm also instagram donamero twitter at donald amero and uh you can find me on facebook i'm pretty easy to find okay that's awesome well thank you so much for joining us today my pleasure and that is it for what she said we'll be back again tomorrow at noon right here on 1059 the region and singing us out now in our live studio sessions here is donamero performing give it to you Baby, you think it'd be alright If I came round about midnight We'll go dance in the moonlight If you ain't got nothing to do Yeah, yeah Whoa Yeah, yeah Whoa, whoa I've been thinking if you ain't too busy And you ain't made no other Got all night, you wanna wing it with me? Let's see what kind of trouble we can go get in. Baby, you think it'd be alright if I came round about midnight? Spin you around in the starlight if you ain't got nothing to do. You like a bottle of Good stuff, good with you, I can't get enough
got a bottle of sweet wine Ain't too strong, no, it's just all right I've been saving this good time And I wanna give it to you Yeah, I wanna give it to you It is your favorite girl That's right, it's the Ali Mars The one and the only Everyone else just ain't me I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.